Hello and welcome to a special standalone edition of the EastonKicks.com podcast. For this episode, we've got a special festival report from the international film festival Rotterdam, coming from team members Maya and Kai. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Maya Kurbetska. And I am Kai van Zunen. And you're listening to the Eastern Kicks podcast. Um, so we're here uh, at the uh, International Film Festival Rotterdam. Yeah. So basically the, the, the podcast will be about two big national cinemas. Yes, we'll mostly focus on Chinese and Indian cinema that we've been seeing at the festival. For the past few days we've seen at least three, four movies a day. <laughs> yes. So how are you hanging? Tired. <laughs> yes. Yes, but it's worth it. Yes, definitely. This this year the program is very diverse, um, and there is definitely a lot of Asian representatives uh, in the program. As usual, yes. So, um, what did you see this year? Did are there any like um, major topics uh, that you observed in Asian cinema this year? Um, well, what. Uh I saw, I guess I, I always concentrate also on the um, Indian films that are programmed, and I saw a lot of interesting regional cinema, both from the north, the very north, and the very south of the country. Yeah, yes, uh, I mean, like India, China is huge, so maybe that's why like the differences um, between uh, the provinces and the differences between the north and the south are very, um, always very interesting to observe, because they have... Like there are different um, styles and um, dialects are very diverse. That, that definitely it's very interesting to observe. Um, so, how about the films from the north of India? Um, um, well, I saw a few. Um, I saw *The Home and the World* today by Aparna Sen, a veteran filmmaker and actress. There was a debut film uh, called *The Invitation*. Uh, uh, was shot in a village in the mountains of Darjeeling mm-hmm. and then um, there was Bitter Chestnut which was shot in a village also in somewhere in the Himalayas I think mm-hmm. close to the border mm-hmm. uh, so they were both very much all, all the three were in the, very much in the north of uh, mm-hmm. India mm-hmm. Like we both seen um, The Home in the World today and Bitter Chestnuts which is very interesting to compare to because the first one is like um, quite commercial genre cinema and the second one is an indie and it is very much um, it is a pity that um, this year Chinese cinema doesn't really have comparable title um, I think because like for example the, the Chinese films from the northern provinces are um, definitely influenced by genre cinema um, such as uh, Wisdom Tooth is, um, I mean, maybe not genre cinema, but uh, Wisdom Tooth is influenced by comic coming of age, and um, and gangster films a little bit. Yes. Um, whereas um, Only You Alone, it is definitely influenced by like melodramas and dance films. Um, so this year there is no um, Chinese film that just registers. Um, registers the reality as it is like very much um, effortlessly but like very author visions 
So, uh, what do what do you think about Wisdom Tooth? Because you've seen it too. Um. Yeah, I thought it was very. I thought it was good. Uh, I did get a little bit confused actually towards the ending when there's a multiple dream sequences that are stylistically the same as the other sequences, and then she wakes up and then it's a kind of meant as a surprise. And at some point, I was wondering, wait, but what happened now? And did that person actually kill that other person or not? Yes, it's true. I heard from the from uh, several people that they had very. Um, it was very difficult for them to um, kind of res resolve this whole um, dream sequence and um, uh, differentiate between reality and the dream because there was no visual difference between the two. Yeah, and, and that's not a problem in itself, but it left me wondering at some point, like, so where did this, what was it? I don't know if I, like, felt like I had missed the point or the conclusion of what the actual story was mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I at some point wasn't sure what the actual story was anymore right. uh, and which part of is just um, the main uh, the girl's um, fear of what might happen yes and there are so many omissions in the whole story because it's exactly um, but yeah because it's um, focusing on her uh, subjective point of view and it's very very limited to what she's seeing and what she's thinking yes that's why it becomes difficult uh, to at some point like we we cannot see anymore beyond what is her perspective and then if our dreams are part of that perspective um, definitely when it comes to coming of um, age films um, it was interesting because it um, it did um, because of the omissions and to because of the different contexts of um, the the siblings, yes. Um, as the film make, uh, film director uh, Liang Ming, um, he he mentioned that maybe they are migrants from um, North Korea or their parents were migrants from North Korea, and um, because the film was shot in Heilongjiang, um, which is bordering there, um, so there are a lot of um, um, like illegal migrations. Um, and that's why, for example, the, the girl didn't uh, re go to school because they, they didn't have hukou, which is the re registration number. Yes. Um, and without this, um, both of them were just um, working at the black market as, um, yeah, just doing odd jobs. Yes, so that's, um, yeah, this sense of instability when it comes to emotional situation and their relation too because there is um they're not really they take themselves for siblings but um but a little bit like marriage because they're not necessarily um connected by blood maybe they're just two two children that um the the brother started to take care of the um, the smaller girl right yeah and i think that's not uh, made explicit in the film at all. Yes, there are a lot of uh, these contexts and um, threads that are not made explicit. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah, and maybe maybe because of the confusion, this film uh, loses a little bit of the deepness. Yeah, but uh, but also what you're telling me right now is something. Part of that was not 
was lost on me, so it might be also if you know more about the region and the people there, mm-hmm. that you might get more out of it, because that's as much my shortcoming as it would be the films. Yeah, but I do have problem with the dreaming sequence anyway. Right. Yes. Yeah, at the, at the end maybe it was like too too long a little bit. Yeah, but definitely like the 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 very very subjective narrative it's um something that is very worth um exploring to. Um in in another Chinese film which was um, Only You Alone directed by Jojo. Um it is very much um female-centered story too um, and it, it focuses on um, on a girl who is uh, who has epilepsy but previously she wanted to be a dancer um, and um, I mean th- th- this film um, definitely deals like with the loneliness of her um, of her condition and um, trying to find some emotional stability and continue dancing and in some way it reminded me of John Casavetes films oh. uh, definitely because of the uh, relation between uh, the filmmaker and the actress um, like um, John Casavetes and Gina Rollins um, I think Jojo and the actress um, uh, Chi Yun has very close connection too, and they 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 just um, kind of supplement each other, um, and it, it it is uh, their second film. Um, the first one was more um, it, the title was Meili, um, maybe three years ago, and it was more centered on um, again female-centered story. Um, but this this film was uh, more about um, like family trauma. Um, mm. And um, the character design was definitely different because in previous film the main character was a tomboy and a lesbian, and in the new film um, Only You Alone the main character is very much um, very f- female and very um, womanly. Are there only uh, other um, films that you found? most interesting or you remembered from the program? Um, yeah, well, there's a few um, that really stood out to me. One, again, uh, were Indian films as well. Um, two from the south and the very... even beyond the south of India. Because one uh, was from Nasir, from Tamil Nadu, and um, Children of the Sun, which is from Sri Lanka. Both are very much feel part of the same cultural heritage. Um, Nasir, um, like uh, Home in the World Today, is very much about Hindu nationalism and it's a story um, of a a Muslim clothes seller uh, who just goes about his daily life trying to make ends meet and he has a... and he also has a son to take care of um, so he struggles uh, every day to take care of all these people and just to make a living um, and all throughout his daily routine um, you hear um, in the background you hear either um, 
pro propaganda by the uh, mosque or by some Hindu nationalist organization um, just uh, being uh, broadcast in the streets through loudspeakers. Um, but the difference is that the Muslim propaganda is mostly centered about what makes it, what, what it means to be a good Muslim. And it's very internal in that small community, a few streets that where they live. Mm -hmm. And then the Hindu nationalism is against anybody who is not Hindu. Um, and it's shot in a very tight um, uh, four by three frame or academy ratio. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very much filled with close up. So it's almost like this world is closing in on him mm -hmm. all the time. And at first, it, part of it seems because he has financial troubles and he's just trying to uh, live from day to day to get food to everybody's mouths. Mm -hmm. But then it becomes clear as time progresses that it's also that, that that Hindu nationalism that is closing in on him as a Muslim living in a very small Muslim community, that very much builds towards a tragic ending. It's very interesting that both films that deal with um, Hindu nationalism are set in different, totally different class contexts. For example, yeah. the the. The home in the world today is very much upper class. Um, yes, and this is very much working class, and it's the other end of the country. Yes. But um, yeah, both end, both end in violence, basically. Mm. And uh, bad things happen. Yeah. Um, so in a way, if you put them together, you could say that it touches them equally, no matter where in the country you're from or. Mm. Um, what class you are. Yeah. And that then, at the same time, if you see in Bitter Chestnut, it just does not, com completely does not factor into the lives of those people in the, up on that mountain. Yes, it is very much secluded and um, yes. the politics don't enter there. Even though yes. they definitely they do, but um, maybe not from the perspective of the boy, the main character. Yeah, maybe by the time if we would go, because he wants to his his he want, his dreams of going uh, to another part of the country maybe he would mm -hmm. but it does not it does, it's not a factor into the film at all yeah 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 yeah. Um, yeah but when it comes to violence I think that nothing will be more violent than the wild goose lake ah I've not seen that yet uh, well how is it um it is um, um actually it's uh, it's part of this um, southern Tales. I mean, it was uh, shot in Wuhan, uh, which is um, well. Now um, a lot of people at the festival talks about the coronavirus, and um, at the film market too. That um, there is this. Um, a lot of filmmakers actually didn't come, and Diao Yinan himself didn't come because of the coronavirus. Mm. Um, but anyway, Wild Goose Lake is very. Um, it's an amazing film because it references a lot of um, 30s gangster films when it comes to the narrative and the style. And the, the filmmaker uses a lot of uh, shadows and a lot of strange camera angles that distort the reality. It has very violent moments and very funny moments, so this clash of two very um, extreme feelings uh, is very much um, characteristic for this film. When it comes to the story, it is again um, female-centered. 
um, and um, very much stylized when it comes to space too um, because it always rains so uh, the neon lights get distorted through the rain and um, mm. like when it comes to colors it's very rich basically it's like th there are a lot of parallels in the film like between main character being chased after and them uh, there's one scene in the zoo with actual animals and like yeah there is this kind of tragedy but comedy just glued uh, very tightly uh, together so yeah you should go see it <laughs> yeah um speaking of uh islands that are separate countries uh, below the mainland. Um, and as I mentioned before, I also saw Children of the Sun uh, from Sri Lanka, um, which um, is very much a movie about uh, caste, and so it's very connected to Indian culture in that sense. Um, it takes place in 1815, and it's about the then war between the deposed Sinhalese king and the then ruling Tamil king uh, and the Sinhalese ally with the British to defeat the Tamils and as part of that but before they they win that war they, they lose a bit and then the, one of the vassals of the king he is killed and all the wives of the household are told to kill themselves or marry one of the local um, untouchables, where they're called outcasts in the uh, subtitles of the film, but uh, it's clear what it's meant to be because they're literally, because three of the four women do indeed kill themselves rather than be married to uh, somebody from the outcasts. But one of them doesn't want to kill themselves, the young, young woman, and then she's married to that man, but she also does not fit in with the outcasts um, because she's well, she's uh, an aristocrat and she's proud, so um, she does not want to walk around bare-chested, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, and she does not bow down to when people of higher caste and, and aristocrats pass by. And the whole clan gets beaten up just because she looks up at the person. Mm -hmm. um, so they're outcasts. Her husband, her new husband, and she become outcasts from the outcast. Mm -hmm. And then they have to travel through the um, and it becomes this, almost this Ram Sita story, um, because they have to survive, they're outcasts, they have to survive in the forest, and he becomes a hunter, and she stays in the hut, because she doesn't want to do anything, mm -hmm. and wants to not have, not, not involved in all this business. Um, and it's a very interesting film, then, um, but the, and it it's continuously comes back to this, this, this complete humiliation that outcasts have to live with. Yes, yeah, it's a very interesting moving film. It's shot very nice, and even though it's low budget, and um, they make very good use of the local jungles and the mountains. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think I don't really remember any film that Chinese film, for example, that is um, presents a story of um, characters outside of society, which is like in the Children of the Sun. Right. Yes. Um, so. Like in, in Chinese cinema, it's all very much society centered. So, like, it, there couldn't be a story of, um, like, for example, Taoist um, 
sort of Taoist villages that don't really care about the hierarchy and um, about the whole social system. Um, and it's um, one of the, the films that I've seen um, dwelling in the, in the Fuchuan Mountains, which uh, premiered in uh, last year's Cannes. Um, it's, again, I mean, a story about um, family. It's a family saga um, that, um, I mean, it's, um, it's uh, a family saga that uh, it's very much um, similar to like this, the 19th century saga that we know from, for example, European literature. Mm-hmm. And it takes place in um, very close to Hangzhou, uh, which is actually center of uh, Jiangnan culture, which, um, which previously in 17th um, and um, 16th century was very, it was like an essence, the, the best mm. of uh, Chinese culture. That's where um, the silk was made and was the, this whole, um, like it was very rich and there is this merchant um, tradition around, but then, um, which is again, a little bit connected to the 19th century family sagas. Um, and basically dwelling in the Fuchuan Mountains is a story of four brothers, very much different from each other. And um, uh, and um, just the way that they deal with um, debts, with their businesses, with um, relations with um, other family members, with taking care of the mother. Um, and um, it's very, very s- slow paced and um, very visually very um, connected to uh, Shan Shui um, paintings, which is uh, the, the Chinese landscapes. Um, and um, definitely there, are, it is one of the highlights um, of the festival, I think. Right, yeah. I've been looking forward to it, but I didn't manage to see it. Maybe it definitely will be around at other festivals. I hope so. I hope to see it still. Yeah, yeah, and um, the Jiangnan culture and this this whole um, uh, like localism in uh, Chinese cinema, it also plays out in um, Hong Kong uh, program this year. Yes, it has a very a whole section dedicated to Hong Kong cinema called Ordinary Heroes Made in Hong Kong which of course are titles of two older Hong Kong films which are both playing in the section because it's a combination of older films and newer films um, that is basically uh, meant as a uh, to show support to the current um, protests going on in Hong Kong for the last uh, half year which is at least one of the things that, uh, the festivals mentioned that it is their way of showing support mm-hmm. um, and it includes a few new documentaries that were made during the recent protests and a few documentaries that were made during the umbrella movement the yellow umbrella movement uh, protests in 2014 and those are very the, I've seen yellowing of the 2014 movement and um, if we burn which was at his world premiere here, uh, which was about the 1st of July 
2019 and the when the protests erupted into something bigger when the uh, legislative building was uh, occupied uh, on that day by the protesters um, and I found it very immediate moving films um, mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to the RacingKicks.com podcast. Stay tuned for the next full edition coming soon.